Hey everyone, welcome to Handing the Shame Back. I'm Gloria Masters, your host. This is part two of Donna Beladowicz's story. And, and Donna had the experience of being sexually abused uh, by a child uh, from about the age of seven to then a female teacher for several years. When Donna was finally able to share her truth, uh, she was instantly believed, thank God, by a counsellor and then immediately by her parents. Interestingly, authorities didn't, and uh, this is where us as survivors can sometimes come a bit unstuck. So we're into part two, we're looking at the impact. Again, please know there's a trigger warning. If for any reason you feel that, go to the show notes below. Welcome back, Donna. Thank you. So I guess, uh, well, I'm I'm still kind of reeling. I'm still thinking about what you shared and feeling a few things for you. Uh, one is absolute relief and thrilled that the most important people in your life instantly believed you and did the right thing and got you some help. Uh, horror that once again authorities refuse to believe this happened. So you as a survivor get pulled into being the one who has to do all the explaining and rationalizing and justifying which to me is uh is re-traumatizing it absolutely is so tell us about what you i guess uh what, what the impact on all of it all of this was on you there's a lot of my life that had changed from before yeah. um I didn't play as much as I had previously yeah. um I was sad a lot I had a lot of nightmares um very jumpy of yeah. uh, all the symptoms of PTSD post-traumatic stress disorder and anxiety and depression uh, my counselor at the time, um, after I told, helped me with some techniques that I could use to help when I had flashbacks to remind myself that I was not back there. So she taught me to look for different things that I could see, try to listen for things I could hear, try to find some things I could touch to help ground me some things I could smell and anything I could taste and like chewing gum would help me like bring me out of it. Something about that chewy texture or a chewy piece of candy would help me realize that I wasn't back there. Yeah. I was here now. And so those techniques worked for me. She taught me how to take deliberate breaths. So like breathe in for three breathe out for three. And those techniques are ones that I still use today whenever I end up with flashbacks or otherwise need to ground. I had learned to dissociate when the abuse was happening. Um, she explained to me what that was and that it was common, which made me feel good because I thought there was something wrong with me. Um, you know, a lot of us survivors at least ones I've talked to who dissociate 
we don't know what's going on. We don't know why we do that. And it just happens. And so notice with your dissociation, because I think this is really powerful for our audience as well. Um, Hey, lovely ones. Welcome back. Um, What did you notice in yourself around dissociation? Did you, yeah, how was that experienced for you? For me, um, oftentimes it would be like an out-of-body experience. Like I was somewhere else in the room watching what was happening. Um, Most often it would be like I was viewing it from being up on the ceiling and viewing what was happening below. Yeah. Um, Other things that I would do that were dissociative is engage in what I now know is maladaptive daydreaming. So I'd go off into a little fantasy world where things were okay and this stuff wasn't happening. Um, And I could also make myself fall asleep on command. And that was another way I would disassociate. So if things got way too stressful or overwhelming for me, I would just make myself go to sleep. And then it was almost like a reset for my brain. Wow. It's a it's quite powerful. And some of the techniques you're you've looked at, you know, you've mentioned grounding, and I love that because even today as adults in our adult survivor bodies, those groundings, just what can three things you can see, three things you can hear, three things you can touch, three things you can smell something you might taste, you know, all of that just instantly has to bring us back into. Um, So it's quite really awesome. That's a wonderful thing that you do. Thank you, Donna. What else, um, you know, the impact on you, I guess, as you were going through adolescence and then into early adulthood, can you share with us some of those impacts in terms of behavior or um, absolutely. So there were things, some of my talents that I ended up um, drifting away from or giving up for a short while because like I loved to write. My abuser knew that I loved to write. And so when she and her enablers were retaliating, they were like tearing apart my writing. Mm. They were saying like giving me poor grades you know some of my teachers giving me poor grades on things that were actually quite good um one tried to get me kicked off the paper uh school newspaper and just anything they could do to attack stuff that I loved or in band I was one of the top flute players even as a freshman and that is um would be here in the U.S. about 14 years old. I was the um, top flute player in our high school band and high school goes up to about 18. And so I was the second best flute player and that's a pretty big deal. Um, But once my abuser passed around a paper about me at the school saying, calling me a liar and crazy and everything else, I suddenly was moved to the second row. I was no longer in the position I had earned and nothing I did throughout the rest of my time in high school got me back to what the position I had earned. So I started not liking to play the flute. I started not liking to write. I lost scholarships 
potential, I lost out on potential scholarships because of it, all kinds of things. So one of the impacts that it had was I was like gave up on the idea of being successful. It seemed like no matter how hard I tried, nothing, it would get taken away from me. Nothing would work out. So um, for a while there, I just didn't try on things. I was just like, I did it. And then I was like, well, even if I'm good, it's going to get taken away. You see how what you're talking about as well is that the abuse continued because Mm -hmm. for whatever reason, she was given um, the power to be able to write a paper about you um, and and have you uh, continue with being vilified or victimized. Uh, so, wow, wow. She also sued me and my parents um, for wow. defamation and for lying about her. So my parents countersued. That dragged on for a couple years, but after my deposition, an all-day deposition as a 16-year-old, which was absolutely horrible because her lawyers were horrendous, um, my lawyer told me he was certain she was going to drop the lawsuit because he said her lawyers now know I was telling the truth. Her Her lawyers now know. Her lawyers, because they couldn't trip me up because I was telling the truth. And sure enough, shortly after that, she said she'd drop her lawsuit if my parents dropped theirs, and they did. So thousands and thousands of dollars later. Yes. Yes. But wow, wow. So for you, just as we're, you know, moving on to impact, what has helped you? What has helped you in this recovery Um, of your abuse, childhood sexual abuse? I moved away um, about a thousand miles away with my parents and my brother at 19 years, when I was 19 years old, my mom was promoted and transferred and I decided to move along with them. And once I was in that completely different part of the country, far away from her and where she couldn't do anything, I decided to start to reclaim things. I didn't want her to win. So I reclaimed my dream of being a teacher and I became an elementary teacher and thank you. And I made it a cornerstone in my classroom. I was well known for a couple of different things. And one was creating strong classroom community where children felt safe and comfortable to be themselves. Um, One was keeping an eye on the kids and being very aware of what was going on. I kept an eye on the other adults, of course, too. And another was reading because I love to read. So I would help kids fall in love with reading. Um, and this, these were strengths. And then I decided I wanted to impact even more people positively. So I went for my PhD so that I could teach people how to be teachers. And... A lot of this was driven by the fact that I didn't want to give up on all my dreams anymore. Um, I did not realize until about a year and a half ago that I still had more healing to do as an adult. And I didn't realize all the impacts. Like I was a workaholic that 
is common for some survivors. I was very perfectionistic. Not looking in the mirror or anything, says Gloria Must. But (laughs) for survivors, we know this to be true. And uh, it's, yes, it's a little bit dissociative, isn't it, as well? (laughs) Absolutely. So I've been working on that. I've been working on other kinds of healing, like learning how to love myself again and learning how to take care of my inner child and all the things that saying to myself, all the things that I needed to hear back then. Um, And just reclaiming my power and handing the shame back by telling my story. Um, The more that I speak up and use my voice, the less shame I have. And I have found as an adult that I am so supported. There are some people who haven't been great, but you know what? That's okay because I've got all these other people who have been wonderful and I don't know what I would do without them. I've have I'm more authentic because I'm not keeping that secret yes and my relationships with pretty much everybody have deepened because of that yes and I guess too because you had the the healing of a child is so dependent on the parents or caregivers around them because children need adults to survive. So if a child is not supported or believed, they have to give way and have the adult right because they need that to survive. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Self-love will be difficult because for a child, we can't find that self-love if the adults around us have not believed us because we needed them so we had to be wrong so they could be right make sense absolutely thank you yeah and I think you know what you're describing is so beautiful and so powerful and you became a teacher and look what you did and survivors look what she did she turned the tables you you actually came full circle because not only did you become a teacher yay but you became more than that. And this is what survivors need to understand. You bring more to teaching than another teacher might, or something different, because your eyes are open. You see around, you see behind, you see in front, you listen, you notice, you're able to spot at a mile which child is not safe and which adult shouldn't be alone with any child. So you see the gift you bring. Thank you. Thank you. Um, And one thing I'm doing now is I've created trainings for pre-service teachers and for current teachers to teach them about sexual abuse and signs of sexual abuse, impacts, et cetera, and things that they can do at school to keep kids safer. And is that allowed to be part of the curriculum or is that just something 
Yeah. It's something that I do. Um, I've done some teaching at the local university for pre-service teachers. And at our state education conference, I did some kind of mini trainings because I only had 50 minutes, so I couldn't do in depth um, some mini trainings at the conference. And so many people signed up for my online one that it crashed the system. So, so it should be mandatory. I agree. That's something that I've talked with a local um, person who knows how the legislature works, and she's given me advice for how to work on getting a bill before the legislature. And so that's something I'm going to try. Oh, best of luck with that. That's so powerful and it's so important. So I, you know, and you see what you're doing again is, you know, you went through what you did. You then became an adult who had to learn how to heal from this and recover from this. And uh, now you're able to do that giving back, which is preventative for children, but also restorative for you as a survivor. You see the magic there? Absolutely. And what's important to me is what hit me one day, actually, is that I've become the adult I most needed when I was a child. Yes. And right now I've decided I am reclaiming my dream of writing. It's something called National Novel Writing Month here in the United States, um, where you write every day for the month of November. And at the end, you have a novel draft. And so I am writing a children's novel um, that has a main character who is sexually abused and shows her healing journey. It demystifies therapy, it demystifies how to tell, etc. So I'm writing the book I needed when I was a child. It's so beautiful. And when are you hoping, says, says the author who knows it can be as long as a piece of string, when are you hoping to have that completed? Um, I will have the rough draft completed probably in another 10 days. I'm ahead of schedule on writing it. So just the first draft, as you know, there's lots of revisions after that. Um, But I was the chair of a national children's book award committee and got to know some authors and others through that. Like some of the people on the committee with me are authors. So my friends will help me figure out like some of the steps and ends and all that, which is helpful. Congratulations. That's quite a big deal and uh, just beautiful. I think that's going to help a lot of people actually. And and I guess moving into, you know, um, anything you might be able to share with our amazing survivor family, what would that look like? Any techniques that you've used or anything you've personally done in your own healing you know, for those of us who might be a bit further along the track or even those of us who are are just finding our voices, what what would you kind of recommend or suggest that might be helpful? There are a couple things that have really helped me um, that I've worked into my routine. One is that I journal every morning 
just stream of consciousness journaling. Um, Julia Cameron calls it them yes. morning pages. Yes. And I do those while listening to binaural beats. That's a type of music that can help regulate brain hemispheres. And so those are helpful for me. And that's a good time to listen to it. I've um, meditated, started meditating every morning and at night. Um, these are guided meditations, uh, but they really help me calm my brain down and also help me regulate. Um, they're especially, I have certain ones that I use, like if I've had a night with nightmares, et cetera, that help me start the day off in a good way. Um, and that's been hugely helpful. Another thing that's been hugely helpful is art journaling where when I cannot find the words to describe something, I paint it or I cut out, uh, cut out pieces of construction paper and put it together. Like, you know, I did one where my teacher was depicted as a monster and I've done one that shows enmeshment. I did a spread that shows a before what I was like before and then after. So all those kinds of things have helped me express myself and have helped me share things when words aren't enough. That's such a powerful um, gift, actually. Thank you for sharing that. Um, not all of us are audio, visual, or kinesthetic, you know, and I think as, as people who need to express, we're all quite diverse. And um, I love that you've got that uh, journaling as a construct, as a way. Um, where can people find you, Donna, if they want to follow your work or understand what you're up to? What can you give us? I'll put everything in the show notes below our interviews, but um, yeah. Right now, I just have a Facebook page, but I'm currently creating a website full of resources. My website, I started it as a way to make information accessible for schools and districts to know how to protect students. Because one thing I found is there's a disconnect between research and then translating it for everyone to read because nobody, most people aren't going to sit down and read a 30 page study, but they will read somebody who takes the highlights out of that study and then they can follow up with reading the study later. So I'm going to translate research to make it more friendly to everybody to help protect kids because there is research out there that can help protect children now, but it's not reaching the general public. No. And not everybody knows what books to read or what would help them in their healing journey. So I'm also doing book reviews and book recommendations on there and resources for parents to start talking to their kids about consent, for instance. A hundred percent. And all of that is so powerful. And, uh, you know, I think it's going to be such a gift to see what you do provide when your website's live. So please stay right there. Um, congratulations to you, Donna. And thank you for sharing what you have with us. Is there anything, you know, just in the last minute or so, is there anything you would like to share that you haven't shared? 
One thing I do want to say is all of us survivors know how important it is to be believed. Believe yourself too. All those self-doubts. And I imagining this, did this really happen? Because we don't want it to have happened, but it did. Believe yourself and believe others and treat yourself as you would a cherished friend. Yeah, it's beautiful. Well, stay, stay right there, Donna. Thank you. Hey, survivors. Um, well, I, I feel very humbled actually uh, bringing this to you because, you know, within each of you is something so special. And again, we've seen it today with our amazing survivor, Donna all the way from Montana and you know I'm so grateful to her and she's mentioned many things but a couple that I want to bring back to you is she, is she has now become the adult she most needed when she was a child isn't that beautiful and that actually she's writing the book she wished she'd had or needed as a child so I think that's really impactful um, as with everything wonderful ones please look after who you are always know i stand with you i believe you and i see you